said that. Is that good? That's what we did over there. Oh, okay. <laughs> great, great. I'm doing pretty good, too. Here we are again, and uh, what a privilege it is to be with you guys and, and to be able to share again. Um, I just, I'm really honored um, that the Lord gives me this opportunity and that you do, too. Uh, so thank you. Um, you know that we've been sort of intentional in our messages here, uh, really since September, but you can you can see a little bit of a pattern here for uh, January and February this year. So January, we we um, does anybody remember what our focus was in January? Just a. I'll give you a hint. We had Toby Cavanaugh here for two of those Sundays. Say that louder with confidence. Yeah. LB evangelism. There you go. So yeah. So it's working. You mean it's working for us to have these themes for the whole month, right? Kate, they're catching on. So <laughs> next question. Do you know what came next? What's the what the February focus was? Nicole says discipleship. <laughs> and she would be right. And so here we are in the March, but uh we're gonna we're gonna um go ahead with, with one more discussion on, on uh discipleship before we move into a, a whole new topic next week and you'll have to come back to hear it. Uh so I'm wondering just in terms of discipleship, I mean Pastor Jonathan gave us a great message, whoa, on uh what what discipleship is as opposed to being a believer, what is a disciple, right? And then last week, Pastor Chris talked uh, with us about who's discipling us. Are we being discipled, and who is that that's discipling us, right? So this week, I, I won't give you a quiz question. I'll just go ahead straight up and tell you. I'm going to be talking about who are you discipling, okay? So that's, um, it, it goes both ways. So let me ask a, a question. This thing is going to. My ears are too little. <gasps> Sorry. Um, how many disciples did Jesus have? Quiz question. How many? Twelve, yeah. You say it more confidently than that. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to name them all, though I'm sure some people could. Uh, but yes, he had twelve disciples, uh, and we talked a little bit about that. I think I think Pastor Jonathan said something. He talked about when Jesus was walking along and, you know, asked Peter, hey, come on, follow me. And Peter drops everything and follows him. Like, I always think, what in, the, what in the world did that look like? How does somebody decide that? What was compelling him to do that? Did he hate his life so much that he followed her? Was there something about Jesus that just was like, wow, I got to go and follow this guy? I don't know. You know, I, I really don't. I'm not trying to... Um, look into past whatever the scripture says, but I do wonder about them. But did you know that Jesus actually had a whole lot more disciples than that? Um, in fact, you're one and I'm one, but back then even, we called them followers. So he had sometimes thousands of followers. You know that? Remember when he fed all of those people on the hill? Well, they were there on purpose to follow him, to hear him, to learn from him, to be trained by him, to find out more about what he had to say. They were, in, in a sense, they were also disciples, all right? And he still has, like I said, a lot of followers, you and I. Some of them, some of the followers around Jesus then and now are, are watchers. They're watching from a distance, maybe even with some suspicion. Some of them are seekers. They're looking for a little more information. Some are, uh, oh, so sorry. My husband is over there going, I got to help. I got to help her. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Sit on your hands. Okay. No, I'm all right. <laughs> he wants to bring me the handheld. I'll take it if you want me to. Look at him. He's got to take, he's got to take, yes, he is, he is my number one guardian. He absolutely is. Excuse me. doesn't work this way. Yay, <laughs> so, uh, 
Let me say that again. You are as close to Jesus as you want to be. And I, I remember this years and years ago. I mean, like 35, maybe 40 years ago. I read a track called the, the Levels of Intimacy to, to God. And discipleship and intimacy for Jesus goes hand in hand for sure. And so I had this, I, I, drew, I, I made this up here. And so we've got the others on the outside. And this is a followers of Jesus, the others on the outside who are kind of watching from a distance, listening to the headlines, mm, maybe like with a skeptical eye. But, you know, tell me, tell me what that Jesus is doing and what he did in that other town. They're sort of kind of lingering near him, but not too near. Then we've got the 5,000, which is, it's just taken from a story. So there were those who were in pursuit of him to take up a day, a week, maybe the whole year, to pursue him. And when he ever preached on the mountainside, I'm going to be there for that crusade. So those are the followers. And then the next one there are the 70. And if you don't recall that story, Jesus sent out 70 of, of these followers who were very committed to him and really wanted to walk in his way. And he taught them how to heal and how to cast out demons. And he said, you guys, you're going to go out two by two, and you're going to go, and, you, and you're going to do what I do out there. And he did. He literally released these 70 people out there. They were very excited, and so was Jesus, quite frankly. You should read that story if you haven't read it yet. The next level here is the disciples, which are the 12 that Jesus chose. So he's, this is, this is the Andrew and Peter, James, John. Hey, guy, Peter, Andrew, drop your fishing nets. Come follow me. And they do. I'll make you fishers of men. All right. Let's do that. So those are those 12 disciples that surrounded him, and he had a hands-on experience in terms of training and teaching about God and, and teaching about the scripture and just demonstrating the love of God for these men, these close friends, which is what they became. They were more than disciples in terms of students or mentees. They were friends. And even within that realm, some of them were closer than the 12, than, than the overarching 12. So we've got Peter and Andrew. They really, really, really like Jesus. And he took uh, these guys, a couple of these guys, into the garden uh, um, on his last evening before he was crucified. When he prayed, he took these guys and he said, guys, I really need, I need my pals. I need my, my, my good buddies with me because this is a really hard night. Now these guys, they were good friends, but they did fall asleep. And then, of course, Peter, as we know, we, we, we're not going to stress this one, but Peter did betray him that night as well. Uh, and then we have John. John is in the middle there. Throughout the book of John, John talks about himself. Uh, he calls himself the beloved, the one that Jesus loved. And he wasn't trying to say, Jesus loved me more than you, na 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 na. He was saying, I am, I am humbled. I am awestruck. I, I don't have words. I am identified by the one who loves me. My name isn't John. I'm loved by Jesus. Oh, my gosh. That's his identity, okay? So he had come into this discipling relationship in such a way that he was transformed in terms of his identity, and he, he felt oh, this love and this, this, this transparency, this vulnerability, this friendship with Jesus, so much so that Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to this man. In other words, Jesus was at the foot of the cross. I mean, John was at the foot of the cross of Jesus. John was there, and he said, man, friend, this is my mom. Would you? She's your mom now because I'm not here to take care of her. You're going to be taking care of her. So that's the, the level of discipleship that John went through. And, of course, he continued that discipleship right on through and, and another uh, amazing life to, to read about. If you don't know about it, he wrote uh, those three epistles, 1st, 2nd, 3rd. John he also was the one who was the recipient of, of the revelation that we read about at the end of, of the book of the Bible. In fact, he was uh, exiled for quite a lengthy period of time in the Isle of Patmos, which was Patmos, which is one of the Greek isles, and Andy and I had the privilege of being there. They actually took us into a cave and said, this is where... Uh, John 
resided. Now, I don't know if that was for the tourist's sake or it was really uh, the thing, but the island isn't that big, so he probably was somewhere around there anyway. It was kind of cool to be there. Uh, and so John has this has this uh, position of being this close to Jesus. And I again, I want to emphasize that John chose that. Jesus didn't say, um, John, yeah, John, you're going to be my BFF, and then Peter and Andrew, you can stand out there, and then the other, you know, seven, eight of you can be over there. That's not it. He says, whosoever will, whosoever will, come after me. And that's the invitation, so we all have that. John just said, give me more. I need more. I need more. Give me more. Um, and and he did. He got more. He got more in terms of that training, in terms of that relationship, in terms of the understanding of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Those things came to him because he walked with Jesus and he talked with Jesus and he sat at his feet and learned from Jesus. Um, I don't want to get uh, lost here. <laughs> after the crucifixion, I'm going to go back to when after the uh, crucifixion, and Jesus was buried in a tomb, as you know. He's in the tomb. All of the disciples, whether it's John or uh, Peter, uh, Andrew, um, any of them, and the other followers are devastated, all of them. They're all devastated because the hope of their salvation, the person that they love the most, the one that had the most hope, is no longer alive. And, I, and they didn't have a map for this. They didn't know what's going to happen. Of course, you and I know, we have the privilege of knowing that the glorious life of God filled a dead body called Jesus, his own son, filled him with the resurrection power that raised him up from from the dead, and that stone was rolled away, and because of that, there's hope for all of us. He then revealed himself to these disciples, these friends of his, now 11 remaining, since Judas had taken his life, and they're all, of course, shocked. He walks with them and still continues to disciple them for a, f a couple more weeks, okay, until he ascends to heaven. But when he's there, he says, guys, meet me in this place uh, on this mountain, on this hill, and I'm going to talk to you before I leave. And this is what he said, and, and it's from Matthew chapter 26, and I'm reading in 18 through uh, 20. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So he, you can see he was asking his disciples to go and make disciples in his name. He was asking his disciples to go make disciples in his name. And I believe that command, that request, that sending is still today. That's echoing down through the generations and in this room and into your heart right now. He's saying, guys, go and make disciples in my name because disciples disciple. Disciples disciple. That's both a noun and a verb. You are a noun, you are a disciple, and you are also going to practice discipling or you will disciple others. So that's a verb. You're discipling them. Jesus gathered those 12 guys around him and he called them disciples or followers or students or friends, mentees, what have you. And he said, because I'm here, you now have the power and responsibility to go and make disciples. But you don't have to do that alone. You're going to do it in me and I'm going to be with you always to help you do what seems impossible. This is the nature of the kingdom of God. And in the same way that Christ disciples us, he's asking us again to disciple others. So how does this thing begin? Well, let me, let me tell you that first of all, you don't have to graduate from discipling school. Put your hand on your chest, on your heart. If Jesus is in there, you qualify. 
You are not disqualified. You're actually commanded. You're asked, you were requested by the Son of God to go and release the life that's inside of you to others to help them grow because he's all about this community, this church, the big church and this church. If you simply choose to follow him with all your heart, you know what? You'll discover that there's a life inside of you that wants to come out and others are going to be attracted to it. They can't help it. They were made for this. And so when you walk around with that hope and that life that's bubbling up, people are going to go, what do you got? What do you got over here? And it's not that you have to sit them down at your feet and instruct them, but uh, they're, they're absolutely aware that something is going on, and yet they're unaware that something is going on. And so are you, but it's okay. Just keep walking into it. If you have love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, all the fruit of the Spirit in you, that's truly a part of your life, who wouldn't want that? And they want that, the, the people want that for real, whether they're believers or unbelievers, they want that. They want more of that. They can't help themselves. So there's no formula really for how this begins. Just live your life in Christ, and you're going to discover that people will surface and that God will give you direction, both of those things. You'll have followers or disciples who will surface because they're hungry, and you'll have God who will direct you, okay? When Jesus, uh, as I said, walked on the earth, he gathered 12 disciples. It may be, I don't know the story of this one, but it may be that one of those disciples, let's say Bartholomew, do not write this down, maybe Bartholomew communicated to a friend of his named Ananias. And he said, Ananias, you gotta, you gotta know about Jesus. Jesus is awesome. You believe in him. I'm telling you, he's amazing. He died. He rose again. He's got the, the keys to life, to eternity. He filled my life with hope and joy and peace. And I I just know that he wants you to know him too and to walk in this new faith. And Ananias says, okay. And Bartholomew, maybe, disciples Ananias. Jesus discipled Bartholomew. Bartholomew disciples Ananias. Pretty soon, the Lord is speaking to Ananias, saying, hey, Ananias, I got this other guy that I want you to go. I want you to raise him up. I'm going to be the one who personally confronts him because I've got to knock him off his high horse and get him to understand that he is fighting against me. He needs to be for me. His name is Saul. He's been fighting against the church. Don't worry about that. It's okay. It'll straighten out. But he's going to be blind, and he's not going to know a thing about the kingdom of God. Ananias, in your new faith which I don't know how new it was, but in your faith, I want you to tap into me and the life of Christ and begin to raise and train Saul or Paul. And Ananias honestly was like, uh, I don't think so. He was, you know, I think he's around martyring Christians. He's very anti-Christian. God's like, yeah, do what I ask you to do, okay? Trust me, do what I ask you to do. Ananias says, okay. And that was a, a very long relationship where Ananias went to Saul, Paul, and trained him, discipled him. Paul was a disciple of Ananias. And then, of course you know, Paul was filled up with the Holy Spirit and with, with enthusiasm and with the life of Christ. He couldn't help himself. He traveled all over the, all over the region and beyond and up in, in uh uh, Turkey, well, that's what, what's Turkey now, and Greece, and Italy, as you know, and he's spreading the gospel, and somewhere there along the line, he, he actually is, well, he's discipling a lot of people, but one particular guy, his name's Timothy, and he disciples Timothy, and Timothy is raised up, and Timothy loves Paul, and he's learning greatly, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and he's growing in grace and understanding, and Timothy can't help himself but begin to disciple others. Do you see what I'm doing, what's going on here? So ultimately, there's an arrow there, and ultimately, somewhere down the line, you're on the other end of that, okay? And the idea is let's keep this going because disciples disciple. That's what happens. That's the plan. That's the plan of God. That's how this works. Now, Paul, he, was, he seemed to be really one of the, one of the, greats in terms of discipling. You can just read most of the New Testament and see 
Uh, in fact, we're still discipled by him because of what, what's been written through the Holy Spirit in the, in the letters that Paul wrote, just so rich, so wonderful. Here's one thing he said. He said in uh, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he said, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Now, he's not saying I'm in the place of Christ or you need to come to uh, salvation by acting like me. He means follow me like I follow Christ. The goal isn't that you always follow uh, Paul necessarily, but that you follow Christ. It's just if you're trying to learn how to grow, sometimes you've got to follow the big brother, right? Or the big sister, right? That's, that's how we learn sometimes. The most important thing, I was, you know, as I prepared for this, I just wanted to share some thoughts in terms of, oh, um, it's not even steps. They're just thoughts on discipling. And this morning as I was praying, I was really struck by, and in fact, last night before I went to sleep, I, I felt like the Lord kept saying, just if everything else is forgotten, that's fine. But this is the big thing he said. It keep Jesus central. Keep Jesus central of your life and keep Jesus central of any uh, discipling. Keep Jesus central, okay? Don't veer from him. He's the point. He's always the point, okay? Uh, that will help you steer away from some of the pitfalls when we get a little bit too um, micromanagey or controlly about somebody's life. Let's keep Jesus absolutely central, all right? But just to give you a few pointers, I guess, in terms of discipling, the number one most important thing I've already mentioned is be a disciple, both of Christ and of those trusted and wise among you. Continue yourself to seek counsel, to walk in accountability, and to invite others to speak into your life. You should always consider yourself a student. You will never graduate from being a disciple, not of God, and not of people. If you do, then that pride has already caught you. It's just turn around really, really quickly and go find somebody and say, I think somehow I got independent. That is not how God made the church to grow. It's not. He made us in community. He made us with connection. And I know that accountability can really be painful. But there is no shortcut to this. There's no other way. And it's actually really, really good because it keeps us humble. <laughs> and we don't naturally, our inclination isn't towards humility. We need help. We need help. We don't do that naturally. We do pride naturally. We don't do humility naturally. And we need to remain in relationship. And particularly, we need to allow, not only allow, but invite, even insist upon people speaking into our lives who are like minded in terms of their faith, but who have maybe walked a little further, a little longer, or a little more mature. And I don't mean age. I mean faith. Don't go it alone and try to disciple on your own. Do not go it alone and try to disciple on your own. That's called a cult. Don't do that. Number two, serve with grace. Humility and love serve. Serve the disciple. Pastor Chris stressed last week, and, and I will again, this, this idea of servanthood. I believe servanthood is foundational for both the disciple as well as the one who disciples. Okay? Jesus demonstrates that better than anybody. Of course, washing his disciples' feet, but giving his life, laying his life down, that's ultimate service for our sake, right? It, it can make sense that a disciple might serve a discipler, you know, like, gee, what can I do? I, I, you know, and, and, and I, seriously, I, I can't even speak highly enough. You can't overserve. You can't. You cannot overserve. So find room, make a way, uh, ask, what can I do for you um, in, if you were the one being discipled? But in terms of being the discipler, I promise that the service is a little bit more painful. It's sort of like the difference between a kid cleaning up his room or cleaning up the kitchen for mom. That's sort of, there's sort of anticipation that's a good thing and it's good for him and 
whatever, it's, it's different or there's more pain or profound sacrifice when mom chooses to lift the car off the kid. <laughs> there's something that's, or, or childbirth, let's just, let's just call it that. Childbirth isn't fun. There's a lot of sacrifice, but we do it for the sake of love, and that's true of a discipler, is that we serve in love. A discipler, like a shepherd, gladly lays his life down or her life down for the sake of the sheep. Jesus demonstrated that, like I said. As one who disciples, the idea is that you humbly bow down to wash feet. You humbly bow down to let them get up on your back or up on your shoulders so that they go further than you. So you're not trying to disciple up to your level. You're just discipling as the Lord gives you instruction because this is his child, not yours, okay? And so let them see more. Let them go further. If this guy starts flying, great. You, you've, the Lord has used you in the, um, the becoming of a great man of God. And that's cool. That's good. That's right. Number three, maintain integrity. In uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, it says, For one who leads, well, it actually says, sometimes it says bishop, sometimes it says deacon, whatever. I'm saying for one who leads or one who disciples in this case must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not drunk, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. That's a lot in there, but that's a really pretty good uh, goal for those who disciple. Let's, let's go there. But the, the point I'm trying to make is terms of the integrity. What the choice to live in righteousness, not because there are rules, but because God in us is the hope of, of that. And Jesus has cleansed us from all sin and unrighteousness, and he gives us now the power to live according to his will. That's just amazing. So do it. Do it in the dark and do it in the light. Do it in public and do it in private. Be true. Be true. As you know, a great man of God stepped into heaven this past week. He preached the gospel with uncompromising boldness, and many, myself included, came to the Lord through the ministry of this man, grew up, were discipled by the ministry of Billy Graham. One of the reasons <clears throat> he had such a profound effect on the people of this nation and still does is because he maintained his integrity. He was careful to be above reproach in all things and became well-known as a man of deep conviction and character. As a result, his reputation actually validates the gospel he preached about, doesn't it? Simply because he lived well with integrity, he kept Jesus central. So that those even now who are watching the news reports and hearing about his life and watching these uh, by, uh, the, the little snippets on his and, and who he was, they're hearing the gospel, some of them for the first time. Some of them with new ears. Wow, that man was almost 100 years old. And he lived faithful to God. How did that happen? And what, is he ha what did he have to say? i got to listen to this guy. That's what integrity. That's that's how integrity carries that message, um, past past his death, and it will it will continue to carry that message. Number four is to listen, and of course, I mean listen to the disciple. A dis good discipler will listen to the person who's sitting in front of them, right? But more importantly, and the thing I want to stress is that you learn to listen to God, and it means be tender-hearted, like. Learn to listen to the whispers of the Holy Spirit and be guided and directed by that. It's so crucial when you're discipling somebody. Don't make assumptions. Well, of course this is what Jesus wants to say. I'm telling you, you don't know. You don't know until you, you fine-tune that hearing. And I'm going to promise you that 
nobody hears perfectly. Nobody, nobody hears perfectly. But that doesn't mean don't try to learn to grow in that, okay? It, it's okay. It's going to be okay. I'm telling you, the Lord will bless your, even your efforts to lean into his voice and say, teach me. What is it you're saying? What do you want to say to this person? And remember, his heart is to speak to you and to speak to your friend. That's his heart. So you're not asking him to do something, to divulge something he's unwilling for. He actually wants you to hear him. He does. He wants you to learn that. He wants you to learn what it, it, it is when he speaks to you in, in the depth of your heart or however it is he does that. So learn or, or lean into that hearing uh, of him. Don't fake it. Uh, people can people can tell that, but it's going to be fruitless. It's not a it's not worth it. You don't hear anything. Fine, then just listen to the disciple, or that's okay. But continue to pray and lean in. I often tell people that I, when I'm speaking with them or they're sharing with me their life or their 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 crisis or whatever, I will share with them something. You know, just just as I'm led of the Lord, and they'll they'll they may say, well, how. Where are, you, where are you getting this from? That's amazing. Like, how would you know that? And this is how it is for me, and it's the best way I can explain it, but it's a little bit, it's still not a perfect explanation. And that is I have two ears, and one ear I listen to the discipler, and the other ear I'm over here going, I don't know, I have no idea. And that's most, I, I promise you, that's mostly how I am. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. <laughs> um, and But in that, he's just he just downloads and he's just speaking and, he, and, and asking me to share things with, uh, quite often with perfect strangers, but uh, in discipling situations as well, I, I don't have the wisdom. I do not have the wisdom outside of his voice. I don't have it. I have the Holy Spirit and I have the word of God. But if I didn't have that, there would be nothing. There would be emptiness. It would be hollow, human, bleh. No time for that. The other day I was meeting with a, uh, a woman in her 30s, and, she was a, and I was meeting with a manager in this meeting as well. She was very, very nervous. Uh, she wanted to make a good impression upon me and upon this manager, uh, but she was very stressed. She was shaken. She was sweaty. You know, she was on the verge of tears. I mean, it was rough. Uh, everything inside of me, if you know me, everything inside of me wants to make it all better. Um, I want to lean over. I want to hold her hand. I want to say, can we just take a minute and stop and just talk a little bit? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You know, breathe. It's, uh, can I get you something? Can I get you some water? I love you. <laughs> She's a stranger. I wouldn't have said that. Uh, I just wanted to make it easier. And every time I kind of was like, should I do that? I felt like the Lord said, no. I'm like, no. <laughs> She's stressing. And he's like, uh-huh. And I just, I just sat there while the manager was actually giving some, asking some questions that were somewhat challenging. And I just wanted to make it easier. I just wanted to make it easier. And the Lord was like, no, stop it. Shh, shh. And I'm like, but it, it cuts across to me to, 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 to let, I see somebody struggling like this. And he's like, so? Like, I'm doing something, like similar to what Pastor Chris shared earlier, I'm doing something that you don't see or know, but you're going to flub it up if you step into your personality and make everything all better right now. It's not what I'm doing. Listen to me and obey. Listen to me and do what I'm asking you to do. And so sometimes I just have to shut up. <laughs> A lot of times I do. <laughs> it was really hard. But it's important that you not compromise what the Lord asks you to do. It's important, I promise, it's important in learning how to hear his voice to be absolutely committed to obey. Why would he share something with you if you're like, eh, maybe I'll do it, maybe I won't. He's not going to. Why? I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I'm not sure that I would uh, spend a whole lot of time with somebody who I was discipling who said, eh, tell me what you got. Ah, eh, decide later. I'd be like, okay, <laughs> I got other things to do, you know. Um, not not that we're looking for like uh, full on obedience to us personally, but I'm saying, the Lord, when you're leaned in to listen and hear, and and then walk it out, 
he's much more willing to speak and let the words keep coming, all right? So, and he doesn't mind you practicing. He likes it. He likes that you trust him enough to do that, to kind of walk out on that a little bit. You're there to help them grow in faith, this, these disciples, and he wants that too. <coughs> Good discipleship almost always goes through a time of challenge, a time of maybe a little contention. It will always, I've always noted, I've always known that to happen, and usually more than once, but the first time is always the most challenging because you're, if, if you're in a mentor-mentee relationship and the challenge comes up and you have to sort of confront something, I'm telling you, everything inside of you says, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. You're going to hurt their feelings. They're not going to like you anymore. They're going to wander away. They're going to walk away from the Lord. Oh, my goodness, don't say it. Um, but you have to be true to the Lord. This is where integrity comes into place and the obedience to the Lord. You have to be obedient. There are ways to say hard things, good ways that the Lord will give you grace for, but don't not say something because you think you know better about what uh, this person can, can handle. You don't. And maybe they can't handle it, but maybe they shouldn't, okay? If somebody's walking in this, into the middle of the street, I am not going to worry about whether I'm offending them or not if I shove them out of the way. I'm not. I'm not going to worry about it. I might break a bone, but whatever. I'm saving a life. With your words in those relationships, be faithful to, the, to what you hear and do not be afraid of the hard thing to say. In fact, please say it. Please, please say it. Because this sometimes, very often, the hard word is the life and death thing. Uh, very, very often it's the, the avoid tragedy thing when the Lord is pressing upon you uh, to say, get in their face and say this. And sometimes it's, uh, you know, I remember one time I, I shared with uh, one young lady. She was in a relationship with, a mentoring relationship with me, and uh, I, I challenged her on something, a, a particular behavior that would have been immoral at the time, uh, and she thought it was fine. And she was a believer. She'd been a believer for quite a while, and she, you know, just, just changed her mind on how that looked. Uh, and I said, yeah, that's not okay. And she said, you know what? Thanks for sharing. Uh, I don't really want you to talk to me about those things. You can talk to me about this and this and this, but not this, because I want to do this, and I don't want you to talk into this, because it makes me uncomfortable. And I said, okay, I will still love you, but I can't be in this relationship if you're unwilling to yield your life to the fullness of the Holy Spirit's instruction according to the word. I can't. And... Uh, we absolutely remain friends, but that relationship in the way it had been designed as a discipling relationship had to end. And that's a hard conversation. That's a hard conversation to say. Um, but it's okay. It's important that somebody draw the line in the sand. Otherwise, how will they know, right? So be faithful to do that. There are some disciples, and, I, and there are some in this very room right now, who not only are willing for me to say the hard thing or, or a leader to say the hard thing, they invite it. They desperately want it. They're like, don't leave the hard stuff out. In this room right now, there are those of you who do that. Those are also the ones who usually are space rocketing uh, into great faith and <laughs> growth in, in the Holy Spirit because... They caught something. They're like, it doesn't matter about me and how good I feel about me. I need to reflect the glory of Jesus. So have at it. And they're, if, if, as much as you can get into that mindset and that attitude, do it. Number five, honor their will. Honor the will of your disciple. Do not manipulate. Do not control. Do not make something happen. Uh, it's not wise. Jesus never did it. He didn't. He just said, These, this is the way, but bottom line, this is sort of that tree in the garden. Here's the tree. I'm asking you not to eat it, but he didn't take the tree away. He didn't take the power of them to sin away. Honor the will of the disciple. Sometimes you'll offer guidance and they won't, they won't want it. You can't force it and you, you're not going to threaten them. I mean, you shouldn't threaten them. <laughs> That's not cool. 
Um, and sometimes they'll come around. It just takes time. Pray for them. Cover them in prayer. Sometimes they won't come around. I know, and I'm sorry. That, you know, that's is Jesus, when he, the rich young ruler, he says, sell everything, follow me. And the guy's like, yeah, I can't. Those are hard conversations, no question. Number six, awaken their desire for growth. The best way that I know to do that is to ask questions. So instead of saying, now that you're a Christian, you should go to church every Sunday, that, that's very, very controlling. That's very directive. Say, now that you've asked Jesus to guide your life, would you agree that growing in your faith is a good next step? How would you see that happening? What, what would work for that? And guide them as they find and discover their walk. Awaken the desire to grow in their faith in them. Okay? You have a desire for them to grow in faith, but awaken their desire to grow in faith. Another good way to do this is share your life with them. Share your Jesus testimonies with them. When somebody's having coffee with me and they tell me about this awesome experience where they had this difficult conversation with their mother and the Lord came and, wow, breakthrough in the relationship, then I'm going to go, oh, that's possible. I'm going to do that too. So share the testimonies. That's a really good way to awaken uh, their own desire for growth and to give them hope and faith. Number seven, empower your disciple, the disciple, to grow as the Holy Spirit leads. Some people will eagerly read through the old, old all of the Old Testament, pray often, seek every opportunity to grow in their faith, and encourage that. You should always encourage that. But others will maybe take their time, and that's okay. Walk along, walk alongside with them, encourage them in their growth as it comes. Don't try to fix everything because it's not, it's not going to get, I promise, it's not. There are going to be things that they're walking in that you're like, yeah. It's like, yeah, <laughs> no, I know. That's what's really important to listen to the Holy Spirit and guide according to how he directs you. It, but don't be led by fear. Don't be afraid to touch on things that are challenging. Remind your disciple when you're empowering them, remind them that there's Christ in them, the hope of glory. Number eight, recognize your limited role. You are the best man, not the groom. So you're drawing them, you're the matchmaker. You're drawing them to Jesus. You're not Jesus. So recognize your limited role. He's the Messiah. He's the one I've been talking about all along. And as much as you can, sort of guide, that's kind of how I feel, sort of like guiding this connection. Some of us, some who are young in the faith may seek you to be that savior for them. Just resist that urge. It does feel good, but it's not good. It's not healthy. It's unwise, and it, it certainly won't help them grow. There are times when I have a, you know, a, a person who who's in who just needs something, and I'll recognize that that's not my position to do that. I, I was thinking of a, a, a new bride. This was years ago, and she and I had been in uh, we had a good friendship, but she came to me through some difficulties in her life for a couple of years. She met a, a man. She married him, and at her wedding, she was having a meltdown, and she says to me, uh, she just was stressing because the. Um, the details of the wedding, you know, the food wasn't out in time or whatever. So she was in tears. She was out on the lawn, and she goes, Kathy, Kathy, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. What's going on? What's going on? Okay, all right. It's okay. Everything's okay. You're married now to the man of your dreams, and that's a good thing. And just then, the man of her dreams walked up, and he sees us, and he goes, he's smiling, and she just doesn't look at him. She just looks straight at me. I need your help. I need your help. And I took her hands. I put them in his hands. And I said, friend, he, he's the one you're after. Okay. So I'm going to walk away and you're going to have this conversation with him. And uh, that's a picture of what I mean, is that we're, we don't get in the way of what really needs to happen here for these people. Okay. They need a connection with Jesus. Number nine is similar. Recognize your humanity. Basically, you need rest. You need food. You need a break from people sometimes, especially if you're an introvert. You can't do it all, nor should you do it all. So don't feel bad about that. 
Also, because there's only one of you, and you're not God or the Holy Spirit, there should be other mentors speaking into their life. That's good, too. You're not going to be the only one. It, that shouldn't be. You're, you have a unique, you bring a unique something to that person, but so does somebody else bring a unique something. I think a good example is, is Karen and myself. Karen and I are not the same personality, if you didn't know that. Uh, I'm, I'm over here, I'm not even going to describe me, but <laughs> Karen is <laughs> Karen's going to be, for instance, don't come to me for budget counseling. Don't even. Numbers are just nightmares. You know, they're just crazy. They're just like too much detail, and what if we get it wrong? And oh my gosh. And Karen, she's over the top. She, she has this. In fact, she likes this. Can you imagine? <laughs> and, and that's what I mean. Like, if you were to come to me for guidance or discipleship in terms of stewardship over finances, I can give you general principles. But in terms of the practical, yeah, no. That's, that's not my in my wheelhouse, as Pastor Chris would say. Not in my wheelhouse. So stay in your lane. <laughs> let the other people, let the others in their life also have um, part of the beauty of watching somebody grow. That's good. It's a good thing. And the last one I have here, number 10, is almost in contrast to that, but it's not. It's tag-teamed. Recognize your access to glory. Because although you can't do it all, somebody can. And the most frustrating parts for me in terms of discipleship would be those heartbreaking things where it's, oh, God, they're going to go down the wrong road. They're just choosing the wrong thing. Oh, my gosh. Or whatever. They're consumed by something. They're doing their own thing. They're, you know, taking their chart in their own course. And those kinds of things, for somebody who loves that person deeply, it's a hard thing. It's a hard, hard place to be. Um, and this is where, this is probably my biggest challenge would be, it's not about you in the first place. You're not going to fix this. And so the Lord just continually disciples me back to him and says, you have access to the unseen. You have access to me. I'm the one who started the growth inside of them. I'm the author and finisher of their faith. I just let you come along because it's fun. And it's cool to watch, isn't it? Yes, Lord, yes. But I'm the one who does it. And you have access to that. You have access on behalf of your friends and family to glory, to the impossible, to miracles, to signs and wonders, to words that they wouldn't have had, words of wisdom they wouldn't have had unless you were faithful to listen and give. But you listen to heaven, and that comes out, and it changes everything. It turns the light on where there was darkness. It brings resurrection power where there was death. We get to step into that as intercessors, as those who stand in the gap. That, what a privilege, and um, what a challenge for us. It, it's not that it's hard work. It's just that we have to believe it and step into that. The most important thing to remember over all of this is to pray. Pray for that person. They, I mean, you, again, you can't fix it. So deal with that. Deal with your, ability, your inability and your weakness. Deal with that and say, God, I don't know what to do. But my eyes are on you. If you want me to be a part of this breakthrough for this person, I'm here. If you don't, that's fine too. All I ask is that you do something, that you help that you grow, that you enrich. When disciples move away, Lord, bless them and help them to find people so into their lives because at the core of this is love. That's what drives us. That's what fuels this whole discipling thing. Most important, again, keep Jesus central. That's what he told me last night. That's what he told me this morning. Keep Jesus central. You may be the only Jesus somebody sees this week. Keep him central. Don't drive people away. Invite them in and see what the Lord will do. Let it happen, and you'll discover that even as you walk along the road of faith with others, your own faith is going to grow stronger because that's just how he does it. It's not just one way. There's just a lot of life flowing when we do this. He loves to do that, Jesus. 
He loves community. He loves this community. He loves pouring out. Um, like I just kind of see like plants. He likes pouring out uh, plant food and water and sunshine. He likes that. He likes that some of us are like greenhouses that allow for the growth of the tender plants or the wounded ones. He likes that some grow strong and fast like a sunflower. And that some will pop through the earth when the winter is over and they come back faithfully in the spring. This is how we do it. It's all different, but it's all growth. It's all for his glory, and that's as it should be. Amen? So what, if you would, I'd love for you to stand, and I'll just pray prayer over you, and I'm really done. Those are ten things. I'm sure there's ten more, but we ran out of time. Father, we thank you. Um, I know that we are so much more than plants to you. I do. I know that we are um, the crowning crown of your creation, that, that you breathe life into us, and that your, your heart um, longs for reconciliation with your children, and that you long for us to really know the beauty and the wonder of your kingdom and of what it, what it means to walk in the spirit in true freedom and faith and life and, and hope. And, and God, I'm asking that you would just download that into our lives right now, right into my, the lives and hearts and minds of my brothers and sisters in this room right now. I'm asking for a download, Father God, of your holy, sweet presence and confirm this word and help them, Father, to trust you, that you want to use them to help others grow too. Thank you, Father. We trust you for this. We yield our lives to that. We surrender our lives to you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> well, thank you. You are dismissed. <laughs>